welcome back to the 99 cents, your go-to podcast for youth and business. I'm your host, James, and I'm joined by my co-host, Katiana. Today, we have the privilege to have my beloved aunt, Michelle Alfonsa, as this episode's special guest. Growing up, looking at the way in which she works in the fashion industry has always inspired me, not only through her creative designs, but also through her grit and perseverance through even the hardest times. Yeah, I haven't had the chance to meet her more than once, but in that one encounter, I could see how ambitious and how her ideas are so out of the box. Yeah, even until now, her fashion brand is still running. Obviously, there are repercussions because of the coronavirus, but she is literally thinking of any idea possible to keep herself and her workers afloat. I think it's truly inspiring. Yeah, I was actually stalking her Instagram, at Michelle Afanza. All of her designs of her coater masks are so beautiful, and I've never seen anything like it. But enough of us talking. Let's invite her to the podcast. Hello, Auntie. Good morning. Yeah, good morning. morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you? We're pretty good. We sort of just woke up. What about you? I've actually been awake since 8 because I had a a meeting before this. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah. Whoa, busy, busy. Uh, so let's jump straight into it. Yeah. Um, okay. Do you want to tell us a bit about like what you do for a living, all the projects you're doing right now? Okay. So actually, I have a brand called Michelle Fonsa, and that is actually catered to making uh, wedding dresses, party dresses for, you know, moms and sisters of the bride. Even we make a lot of wedding dresses as well. It's basically customized anything. So I can do pretty much from prom dress to uh, event, like normal event dresses to like, you know, brides. Um, And then we also have another brand called Michelle Fonsa Kids, and that's catered to... um, all the kids uh, party dresses. So I'm doing like kids party dresses. I'm even doing male um, baby boys party dresses as well. So we're doing both genders. Um, And besides that, I'm also doing Chloe and Co. That is a, a, I haven't officially launched yet, but that's actually a brand that I'm doing for pet supplies that I feel pretty into, you know, I have a couple of pets myself, so I know how um, and I, I know how and what I want them to have and what, I, what toys I want or what, you know, bed style I want. So I have my own kind of idea, which I can't find in Jakarta. So I feel like, you know, this might be a good thing for me to do here, you know, since they don't have these supplies here. Yeah, I yeah. Think that's actually really good. I'm so excited for all the pet supplies Chloe is going to get. <laughs> <laughs> I actually got inspired by her. So that's why I named the brand after her. Yeah, Chloe that's so cute. So cute. Yeah. But how did you start getting into like the fashion industry in the first place? Okay, I think I'll start from I'll start from the beginning. So I think my life during junior school and high school you know I was very sporty I was very artsy but I'm not really like you know um into all these like math and like biology and it's not really my thing I don't think I mean everybody's different but me personally I don't enjoy it so when I got into high school and I realized all my grades besides art were really bad I was like okay I really need to do something that I personally like so I got into um arts um HL 
in IB and I really pushed myself, but I didn't know that I wanted to do fashion back then. I was like, you know, I want to do arts, but I don't know if I want to do fine arts or fashion or architecture, you know, but I'm so glad that my university gave me an option to do so many different uh, topics and so many different subjects for arts, right? So they gave me like this course for architecture, for interior design, for fashion, shoes, kids, jewelry, everything. And we were able to actually touch upon each and every one of that in one year. So um, after that, I decided, you know, um, I was very passionate about fashion, women's wear. You know, I had an option to do men's wear, women's wear, or kids wear, or sports wear, actually, there's so many. But I decided, you know, I'm going to do something that maybe I can do in the future, you know, long term. So I decided, yeah, I think I'll do fashion women's wear. And that's when I went to women's wear, and I completely enjoy it so much. I was so glad I took it. Wait, what's the difference between like fashion and women's wear and like in men's wear and sports wear? What's the difference? Oh, there's so much difference. So actually, in women's wear, you really try to design. So in our school, actually, um, in our university, I went to London College of Fashion in London. And in women's wear, they really try to make you kind of think outside the box. So what happens is they bring you out and you see all these like London buildings and architecture and they make you draw a dress out of the buildings, you know, but in men's wear and in sports wear, you don't really have that. I mean, you can do that, but men's wear are more chic, right? You cannot really be so, you know, you cannot have like a big bow in the back. Like, I think that's kind of not really, I mean, it is fashion, you know, fashion can be anything, but you know, it's not something that the market here would be like, oh, I like that for men to wear. Uh, but for women, it's so unique and different. So women are more like detailed. So they really like detail you in terms of like, you know, they want every single detail for women's wear to look extravagant. Sportswear, you know, the cutting is also different. The um, pattern, the pattern making is also different. The process material use is different you know it's very color blocking sometimes it's very sexual sometimes you know but for fashion women's wear you can really kind of expand your idea to so many different things that's why yeah yeah Mm. but you were doing fashion and you learned fashion outside of indonesia right yeah but now bringing your business here in indonesia what differences or like struggles have you had very good question actually um so when i was in london i was there for four years i did fashion women's wear 100 percent for four years i didn't really touch upon any other uh subject and to see the market in london and in indonesia when i came back actually was kind of one of the most hardest times of my life because i was so used to the fashion in london they're very funky they're very you know um they're very 80s and 90s, but in Indonesia, like the market here, especially if you want to target like, you know, the social light women's and everything, it's so different. You know, they cannot be too open. They have to be very sophisticated. So for me to transition my market from London to creating all these unique kind of designs in London and bringing it back was very hard. I think the first three months got me... I really had to like, you know, look at Indonesian designers here. What do they do? You know, what kind of target they have? And then I look at the fashion, um, you know, Indonesian big designers, they have fashion shows and everything. So I watch their shows. I see what kind of style they have. You know, in Chongsam, like, you know, when you have Chongsam collars in Indo, is very popular. Back in London, you don't even see that. Like, what's that? You know what I mean? So I really kind of like do a big transition, but I'm so blessed that it took me 
I think three months to like get myself going. I did a ready to wear for a month and I realized this is not something that I want to do. Like when I started opening Michelle Fonts, I was like, you know, let me do ready to wear. I did ready to wear for a month. I designed, I made, but then it didn't come out the way I, I wanted to. And I don't think the market here actually really likes it. So I decided, you know, I have to do 180 degrees transformation, which I did. And I created Michelle Fonts brand Couture, which basically everybody can just come and be like, hey, I want to make this dress. Can you do it? Or do you have a style for me that matches my my look? You know, I'm like, okay, sure, no worries. So it's more like, it's more of like a designer and customer kind of connection. So it's really, I like more than just making a, a dress, you know, making 20, 30 pieces and selling it. And I don't know if anybody even knows how to wear it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. Um, who do you say is like one of your biggest fashion inspirations or like the fashion designers that you really take inspiration from? Okay, actually, I interned in one of the my most inspirational designers, and that has to be Alexander McQueen. I know he's like a very like out there designer, like not everybody loves his work. But to me, because I was in, I, I had the opportunity the opportunity to intern there for a year and I saw his like you know um his basically his section where he puts all his collection pieces since 19 you know 1940s or 1950s and it was just amazing his work so I really got inspired by him and I was so blessed to even have the opportunity to work for him you know even if you he he passed away when I was, you know, interning. But, um, you know, his right-hand woman was also so inspiring to me. So, yeah, he has to be my inspiration. But during your time in London, was it also, like, hard to adjust with the fashion there, the culture, like, also, like, in your university? Were, were there challenges, sleepless nights, all of that? Of course. In London... Um, I think transforming to, you know, living in Indo where you have drivers, maids, everything, and then moving to a place where, you know, it's very different, you know, the culture is very different. It's pretty free, you know, in Indo, people are very conservative. But when you're overseas, when you're studying overseas abroad, let's say in London or in US, but for me, it it was London. Um, I had to do a lot of adjustments, but I'm so glad that all my friends, like three of my best friends, who is from Indo, they moved to London with me and we all took fashion together. So we kind of like had each other to kind of, you know, keep in mind that like, you know, you should do this, don't do that. That's bad. That's good. You know, so we had that kind of motherly guidance, even though our parents weren't there. Um, in terms of in terms of university, I think it was not so hard for me to adjust because there were so many um, foreigners in um, London University. Because I think I think my class there was like sixty percent Chinese, um, and like forty percent like Chinese Chinese like China, you know. So <laughs> and like forty percent like you know Belgian UK UK was so little UK was like maybe ten percent was UK, but everybody else was kind of international. Thai Bangkok there's so many Bangkok, so we kind of like were all new to each other, so we kind of like had no other option but to kind of talk to each other. So that was really fun. And I made a lot of new friends, I think, from university, from uh, China, from Hong Kong, from Bangkok. You know, it was really fun. Um, racism, I don't feel like racism in terms of my, my friends were there. But definitely with my teachers, 
because you know they have this vision of like you know uk and uk students has to be the one that's passing and you know things like that for them you know this is a very personal thing but for them um international kids obviously pay double uh, the the cost rate for the students so the more chinese people fail the more money they get so I was actually one of them that, you know, I worked so hard. I think it was my last year. I worked so hard, but my teacher, my teacher was a little bit, sorry. <laughs> my teacher was a little bit um, racist. I can, I can feel it. And she basically failed me that, that, that term. And she was like, you know, next term, if you fail, then you have to redo the whole year. And one year is three terms. So I was like, you are joking. And I like pushed myself and I like, I, I didn't even sleep. I think there was a day. Well, you know, I, I'm still dating. I was dating my fiance back then. That back then, he was my boyfriend. So I actually had him come and help me bead my dress because I had no other hands. Everybody was so busy with their own work. And all my friends are fashion designers. So, um, you know, I can't be like, hey, come and help me because they have their own work too. Which my boyfriend back then and is my fiance now, he is doing like um, business stocks marketing thing. So he had a lot of time on his hands when he finishes essays and things like, that. So, things like that. So I'm like, okay, come here, help me stitch all my dresses because I can't do it by myself. I had to make, I think, eight dresses in three days. And because I had to redo the whole thing. Yeah, because the teacher did not like my project from the beginning. I made so much work. Uh, for the past three months and she was like i don't like this you have to redo it again in three days right before the submission so i was like oh my gosh i'm gonna fail i'm not gonna pass you know my parents are gonna get so mad at me but thank god like i think the three sleepless nights helped me like i had coffee and pop me you know pop me like there's a pop me a special pop me in london that's like british pop me it's not really like pop me but you know i had that and i had coffee like every hour pretty much and that made me kind of yeah that made me survive for three nights without sleeping um and i managed to redo eight dresses and we had a fashion show in the end and um finally my teacher was like oh okay you know it's something different like i i quite like it and then she passed me just by one level can you imagine <laughs> but um, yeah, it's crazy. I really was like, you know, mom, I came back from London, I graduated and I was like, you know, I don't think I want to ever do fashion again. Like, I don't think I can do it because I was so, um, I was so like, you know, I was put to the point where in my level that, you know, I, I was very demotivated to even like continue this because of my teachers. But I had so in my family and my friends that I decided, you know what, let me just do it. And and I did it in Jakarta. Once I succeed in it, you know, I look back and I'm like, you know, I don't feel like the teacher's opinion really affects your future. So, yeah, that's something that inspires me mm. until this day. <laughs> Speaking on your parents, were your parents like fully supportive of you going into fashion since the very beginning? Yeah, so my parents are the most like, chill parents i feel like whatever i want to do they never they never said like oh you shouldn't do this because of that you know they are like you want to do fashion go for it you know i don't know how it's gonna be but i'm sure you're gonna do okay so with fashion they never stopped me even like i had a lot of my friends actually like you know they they, they told me like you know my parents are very not okay with me doing fashion but i forced them to do fashion that i want to do fashion in college so a lot of my friends actually had to like go through so much to get into this university to do fashion but i'm like so blessed that my parents are like you know you want to do fashion go for it you want to do 
shoe design go for there they were so supportive from the beginning until now even to the point where i even want to start my own brand for chloe and co my pet supplies they're like they're not even the type that would be like are you sure you know Gagini? they're like go for it do whatever you want so that's why it really gives me that kind of like freedom to explore to see what i like to kind of pick out the things that i want to do and just do it you know Mm. Like, I think it's great how successful Michelle Alfonso became because, like, you know, you sort of proved the world wrong that, you know, doing fashion is, like, also a really good thing. Like, you, it's financially stable and all of that. But ever since this pandemic, like, coronavirus, how has your, like, um, business started adapting? Because I know, Pasi, people don't go out to parties anymore, all of that. Yeah, so actually, um, before the pandemic happened, we had a lot of orders for brides and custom dresses for, you know, mid to end of this year. Um, However, since the pandemic happened, we had to kind of shut down our studio for a month. And after that, even until now, after the pandemic, we still have to kind of um, give social distancing to uh, to the team. I call them my kids. I don't know why I call them my kids. They're much older than me, but I call them my kids. Uh, Because they are kind of my babies, (laughs) basically. (laughs) So basically with them, um, you know, I still give them time to come and work. You know, I still pay them because they do need, they do need financial support. You know, at this hard time, they do need food for their family and stuff. So I decided, you know, I'm going to open up my, my studio, not for the client base, but more for my kids space and for them (laughs) for them i kind of give social distancing so when they come they're super guarded you know they have apd they have masks they have face shield they have gloves they even stitch with gloves because i tell them not to touch anything with bare hands and every three hours they change their surgical gloves as well but they're coming in 50 percent um by 50 percent so when i for example i have you know for example i have 10 workers so five comes in the first week and then the next week they have a break and the other five come in and they just keep switching until now i'm still doing it for kind of safety you know but um since the pandemic work has been very i guess not slow but you know, it has kind of affected us in a way, you know, we still had to think about something and what to do to kind of like survive this um, pandemic. And I think I was really lucky to have kind of started off doing the mask really early on um, after the pandemic, like after COVID started happening and Pass uh, baby started closing up. I started langsung like, you know, I had to do something. I'm not going to stop now because I still have to feed like my my kids you know so um i i decided let's do mask and we started off with 100 mask and it sold out so quickly and then we started doing the plain first we did the plain mask first we did the plain mask it sold i think about 3000 in 3 days and we were like what like people are they want like fabric mask I didn't know because everybody was like, you know, in that state of fear, right? So they want like N95, they want surgical masks, they want everything like hospital related. So I actually decided, you know, let's make a fabric mask first and see, which we did. And then Langsung 3 days, dual, 3,000 pieces. And then we decided, okay, well, let's make more. So we made about five to 6,000. We sold that completely in like the next week. And I was like, okay, workers, like we need everybody hands on. So everybody has to kind of rotate their work. So Five people had to, for example, five people had to work on like the mass stitching. The next week, the other five had to like start working on the beading. So we had like so many things going on. And we decided to do like a fashionable mask for, you know, women who kind of want to go out but don't want to just have a plain mask. So we did that and it 
turned out really well. I really did not expect it to go well because, you know, our price range were also in the mid to high range because obviously it is a couture made. It is expensive fabric made. So, you know, but surprisingly, it's going so well that I think up to date, we have sold about a thousand, uh, no, we've sold about a thousand beaded masks, a thousand like those fully beaded masks, and I think almost 10,000 plain masks. So, and until now, we're still kind of, you know, my workers are like, boo, can I see, like my kids, sorry, I can't see my workers, I have to see my kids. My kids are like, boo are we still making masks? I'm like, yes, we are still making masks because they're like, you know, we've been doing masks for the past three months or two and a half months, you know? And, she, and then I was like, yeah, gak apa-apa, you know, kita masih lanjut karena kayaknya with this pandemic, we feel like it's still gonna go on until maybe end of this year, maybe even beginning 2021, you know? We never know. So you just have to kind of prepare for the worst. But besides that, uh, we are still making wedding dresses. Wedding dresses are still hap- wedding pe- weddings are still happening this year. Some of my clients, so we still have to um, we still have to finish off those um, dresses. And we have some new orders coming in because they're preparing for their wedding next year. So I think we were having a struggle for the pandemic from maybe about a month, and then after that we kind of like got back in our feet and kind of like you know. For me, it's more about like, I need a hustle because I need to pay my kids. So for me, it's like, I need to do whatever it takes. Mau bikin apapun ke, yang kecil ke, yang gede ke, yang penting, we do something gitu. And I still, I'm able to feed them. And and they're really happy and I'm really happy. At least we can still go. You know, for the first, I think, two months of, you know, I think it was March and April, yeah. I had to, until this day actually, until this day, I don't pay myself because I want to pay their salary so i don't pay myself i feel like i'm gonna give my salary to them aja you know and i'm happy about that i feel good doing that even if it's like not easy but i i feel like i did something good for them and we're still continuing that at the moment Mm. I think your like perseverance and your grit and like all your motivation is so inspiring. Kaya, it just goes to show that the fashion industry is definitely not easy. It takes so much energy and like creativity. So like what advice would you give to like uh like someone my age for example who wants to get into fashion but is scared of like the risk, the stigma? I think in my I think what I can give as an inspiration for you guys is to never give up. You know, if that's something you're passionate about in your heart. It, it to me it's really about what you personally feel. It's not about like you know, I know some people will think about, you know, I need to do something that makes a lot of money or I need to do something that that you know, my parents is forcing me to do because they think it's going to make a lot of money for the future. But for me, I feel like for those who want to do fashion design, don't ever stop yourself. Keep being inspired. Um, keep pushing yourself because that's something that will get you so far in the future. And I think one more thing that's really, really important you have to tell yourself every day is that you are proud of yourself and you are confident because once you have that in you, you can do whatever you want. You know, it doesn't even have to necessarily be fashion. If it's something like shoe wear, shoe design, you know, or like kids wear or anything that you like, you know, it's something that you have to be confident in and once you have that confidence in you you can do anything and everything yeah Mm. (laughs) Uh, i know you're so busy so i think that's going to be our last question but thank you so much auntie for thank you thank you so much
Yeah, you're yep. really an inspiration to us. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you know, whatever you need, you can always like give me a call and ask me anything you need and help. You know, I'm always here for you guys. So yeah, if you need any more like motivational speaker, like I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. okay, thank you, thank you so much. Bye.